JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, and I'm assuming in a place that he just can't get enough of because he's been there uh, frequently, it seems, recently uh, in New Jersey, getting set for IU and Rutgers coming up tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. It is the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Hello, Don. How's Jersey treating you? Well, not too well because we're not there yet. <laughs> oh, you're not there? When are you going to get there? Well, I can't tell you that for sure because we've had plane issues today. So thus far, uh, I'm sitting out here at Millionaire, and we're getting ready to take off here probably in another hour. Is uh, is that just you and Eric and John and the gang, or is that like everybody? No, this, this is everybody. This is a whole team that will be here shortly. There are uh... we speak. Uh, so we got all kinds of issues going on, of which I know little about. Therefore, I can't pontificate about such things at this juncture other than to tell you that we're late as far as our destination is concerned. Well, I I guess, Don, because I brought it up, you guys would normally already be there, right, by this time or not? Uh, Yeah, uh, sometimes. I mean, basketball is a little bit different than football. Football, we're always there by this time. Uh, Basketball sometimes is a little later. but it's a little bit even later than normal today. So Yeah. <laughs> it is what it so is. So you're out at uh, Monroe County Airport? No, no. No, we're, we're there. We're taking out of Indianapolis today for some oh. reason. Uh, apparently had a problem down in Bloomington. So, therefore, we're not flying out of there. I, we may be flying back home there tomorrow night, which would make a, a problem for Jake and I. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, hell, this is some trains, planes, and automobile stuff we're talking about right now with the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Okay, well, I, I guess I, I'm a, yeah, everything will be uh, still 4 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow uh, against a team and in a place that has not been too cool for this Hoosier basketball team in recent history. No, it has not. In fact, Indiana has lost five in a row to Rutgers. They've lost seven of the last eight meetings between these two teams. And at one point, Indiana was leading the series seven nothing. It is now currently tied at seven all. So it's been a rough ride here of late. And Trace Jackson Davis has never beaten Rutgers. So he is he is on a mission here in this weekend. Let me tell you this. The broadcast on Wednesday was fantastic. And listen, you're juiced on every game. I get it. Some more than others. But I I could tell, man, that game had you a little bit. You were fired up on Wednesday night. Sounded great. Well, it was fun uh, to be back in that kind of a scenario where you're playing one of the best teams in the country and, you know, you've got a shot at beating them. Uh, And there was no question we thought that that was certainly possible, especially after the struggles that North Carolina had leading up to that ball game, losing to both Iowa State and uh, and Alabama in four overtimes. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you want to play against the best and just to get an idea of where you're at. And I think we got a pretty good idea where Indiana's at right now and their performance against the Tar Heels on, on uh, Wednesday evening. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, too. I thought going back a couple of weeks, because we haven't talked to one another in a couple of weeks because you've been busy. And, you know, last week, obviously, was Black Friday and we weren't on. But you go back to that Xavier game in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. That that was an impressive win. That's an incredibly tough place to play. You got Sean Miller now pulling the trigger over as the head coach. And to come away with that win, I mean, I, that, that's one that's going to look really good on the resume at the end of the year. Right. No question. I mean, obviously, the first when you looked at the schedule, 
uh, out of the first seven ball games of the season, if you were going to go unbeaten and beat those two teams, you'd say, yep, it's been a really good start to the year, which it has been. There's no question. Uh, it's going to get tougher. Uh, we've got two Big Ten games coming up. As you point out, we've got this Rutgers team that Indiana's had all kinds of problems with next. And then Nebraska on Wednesday night. And that'll be followed by two games uh, on Saturdays back-to-back against not only Arizona and Las Vegas, but Kansas on the road in Lawrence. So it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks here. So Rutgers, I, I know there's no more Ron Harper Jr., and that's a hell of a thing. There's no doubt about that for, for yeah. IU because he's been a, a major thorn. Um, but, but they do. I've, I've seen him play a couple of different times. A lot of the, the same names that we have seen over the past couple of years that's, that's helping out Steve Peichelstein now. Yeah, I mean, Paul O'Kahey has been hurt. Uh, they've had injuries, and I talked to Steve Peichel today for our pregame show on Saturday. Uh, and Mulcahy uh, has been hurt for the last four games now, I believe, for them. He started the first three, and then he got some kind of a problem with his shoulder or his neck area and uh, hasn't played since and won't play against Indiana on Saturday based on what Coach Michael told me. But uh, Caleb McConnell was missing with a knee injury, who is one of the best defensive players in the league, not just in the country, actually, not just the league. Uh, McConnell is back, and he's played the last three ball games for him. He should be at full go when Indiana faces them on Saturday. Or yeah, on Saturday, and then uh, you, you got to talk about Omori, uh, who yeah. is just a big freaking load inside at six eleven <laughs> and about two hundred and sixty five pounds. So this guy, and, and he's really a good player. He's gotten better, and he can shoot from outside based on what we've been told. He's got a lot better at that. So this is going to be a challenge. There's no question about it. And here's the other thing that kind of concerns you when you take on Rutgers. They play so hard at the defensive end. They're holding teams to less than 22% three-point shooting-wise, and uh, nobody's shot better than about 36% against them from the field. So this is going to be a challenge defensively or for Indiana's offense uh, uh, in this matchup with Rutgers. Amore, the first time you saw him, that dude just had a basketball big man's body. And it seems like now you see, for example, his, his offense catching up with everything else this season so far. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, he's a complete player now. There's no question about that. He, he's, again, we're seeing so many big guys in the country now playing college basketball as juniors and seniors now because, you know, if you're not the quickest, most athletic big you're not even thought about by the NBA people these days. And these kids are all staying in college longer. And so, and Amori is a perfect example of that. So uh, it, it's, it's every time you walk out on the floor, there's going to be a challenge out there from a big man. Cause just, it seems like everybody's got him. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU and, and Rutgers coming at you tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. That means a three o'clock start uh, 93 WIBC with the pregame show with uh, John Herrick, with Eric, and with Don coming up tomorrow afternoon. Again, 93 WIBC. I talk about a couple of things regarding IU from Wednesday night. I'm telling you what, if they can get that level from Tay Galloway, night in and night out, if you can count on that, man, what an absolute spark he was on both ends in that win over Carolina. I was so impressed. No, so was I. I mean, he hadn't played in three straight ball games. Um, he missed because of, the, of an injury and came out there on the floor. Every time he was out there, every minute that he played, he produced something spark-wise, uh, both at the offensive and defensive end of the floor. He was so proficient in what he did offensively. He, he brings to the table another point guard. I mean, another guy who can handle the basketball, can guard people out on the floor. Um, he gives Indiana a third option as far as the point guard position is concerned. And it's just invaluable when he's out there and he did a tremendous job. And obviously he was in there at the end of the game and, and there's nobody that was happier with his performance than Mike Woodson, because he, he expounded on how good he was uh, at the end of that broadcast. I know I've heard you guys talk about it before and you and I have talked about it as well. This team to me, if, if you saw out of him what you saw on Wednesday, and if he can keep this thing between the lines, Xavier Johnson puts them to the elite level, consistently playing like we saw against Carolina, consistently playing as we saw on the tail end of last year. 
Well, and that's the good news, John, because we all know that Xavier in the early part of last year, probably more than the half, more than halfway through the season, was still kind of a wild hair type guy in regard to what he brought to the table. And uh, he struggled with what Mike Woodson was asking him to do. But Mike said, you've got to learn to be a true point guard. I mean, you can't just be a guy that goes out there and runs up and down the floor as hard as you can and tries to get inside and lay it in and all those kinds of things. You've got to be a point guard that helps the rest of your team. And he's finally figured that out, and he's on a consistent basis with the exception perhaps of the first two regular season games. He has been just tremendous at the point guard position, doing exactly what he's supposed to do and not making many mistakes. He gets into foul trouble occasionally, but not, not nearly as much as he did a year ago. Uh, he's just such a much smaller basketball player, and he's got himself under control, which is critical, and he doesn't force shots anymore. That's the best thing about it, because if we, we everybody remembers the Wisconsin ball game uh, last year when he was shooting things uh from every particular position that none of them went in, <laughs> everybody was booing him at the end. So, he, but he's growing so much. There's just no question about that. And man, is he a factor for this ball club. You, uh, I mean, you saw him obviously working out. You saw him in practice, but until you see him up close, until you see him playing, it is amazing to see Malik Renu and Jalen Hood Shafino as freshmen and how, college basketball body ready they already are man that just jumps off the page to me well it should because they <laughs> that's exactly what they are they're they're college basketball ready from a physical perspective and honestly i think especially jalen uh is from a mental perspective as well i mean this kid's really smart he understands the game he doesn't he doesn't force things generally he's been struggling with his shot a little bit for the first two or three games leading up to that north carolina ball game but man, did he knock him down when he had to in that contest and got him off to a tremendous start in that game. That was one of the reasons they got off to such a really good start in that, against Carolina. So, and Malik you know, kind of had a tough time getting the ball in the hole, and yet you can just see the touch that he has and how good he's going to be on a continued basis. And these are two really outstanding freshman basketball players, and neither one plays like a freshman. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, ready for the plane to take off here shortly. If you uh, need to bail or something because of that, just let me know. But uh, I'm going to take you a couple of more questions. Hopefully everything goes okay and you get off the ground and wheels up here shortly. But we, we've talked about this a lot too, Don, regarding Trace. You know, always kind of wondering if you know he's going to be able to face up and finding a jumper. And I, I drew this conclusion. I'm curious your thoughts on it. That's all great. But if he can get wherever he wants to go offensively on the floor and do what he's doing offensively right now, I don't know why anybody would worry. I mean, you want him to be able at the next level to, to play, but at this level right now, this dude can get on the floor into paint wherever he wants and make things happen, and most of the time they're always really good. So that's what matters to me more than anything else right now. How about you? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, at this juncture, they don't need him to take 15 to 20 foot jump shots. They just don't. I mean, he doesn't have to do that. And honestly, I want to know that he can do it if he has to. Um, but it's not necessary at this point. And so anybody that worries about that, they shouldn't. The only guy that needs to worry about that is Trace himself. And he's not worried about it in the least right now because he obviously wants to win at Indiana. He wants to get it done from a national perspective, and obviously that's his, that's his, what he, that is his want right now at this juncture of the season, and that's all you can ask for. And this kid has obviously been around the block. He is a great leader on this team. Uh, these, the rest of these players look up to him dramatically. Um, I think he's doing all the stuff that he needs to do at this point, and we'll worry about other things later on when it means something. How much has that, that leadership role that he's taken on changed for example, where he is now compared to where he was a year ago, two years ago, how much is, has that changed from what you've seen? I, I think it's changed a little bit. I, I think he's always looked at himself as being a leader for whatever reason, because I think that's what he was in the high school level that he came into. And then when he came to IU as a freshman, obviously, uh, he immediately was a starter and immediate, a big part of this basketball team. And I always think he has taken on some kind of a leadership role in that respect. But 
uh, he has grown in that in that position as well. And these players look up to him. And there's no question about that. When they when they talk about him seriously, when they're actually having a serious conversation, you can tell these guys all know that Trace Jackson Davis is the guy that they're looking up to on this basketball team. Atmosphere on Wednesday. It looked like it was pretty good. I could tell through the radio that you were feeling pretty good and you were pretty hyped about it. Yeah, how was it as far as atmosphere concerned with that crowd? It was great. I mean, it, they were good from the very beginning until the very end. Uh, the whiteout was really spectacular in that sense as well. Um, but trust me, th- this fan base has been starved for a team that can compete at this level. Uh, and you could tell that on Wednesday night in a big way, and that's going to continue as the, the season unfolds because this is a huge season for this Indiana basketball program, even though it's just year two under Mike Woodson. Uh, a lot of people believe that this team's special, and I don't think there's any question they're putting everybody in that mindset right now. But at this juncture, it's still a long way to go, and everybody wants to just sit back and don't get too excited just yet, but you make sure that you are – I got your red, your cream and crimson on every single time you walk out there to cheer them on because they are something special right now. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Don, before I let you go, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously he's been comfortable, but and I'm sure winning and excitement with the level of team and the depth that you have plays a role. But Mike Woodson has never looked more comfortable with a group than he has with this group so far. No, uh, and, you know, we don't have that tremendous sample size either. I mean, last year was his first year as a college basketball coach, but Mike is very comfortable in his skin. I mean, he was a head coach at the NBA level at, on two different programs and did a great job at both, uh, both at Atlanta and in, with the New York Knicks. Um, he's a confident guy, and uh, he is really having a lot of fun with this team, I believe, because he, he thinks these guys have bought into exactly what he's been selling all the way through. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's the case. Uh, and, and he should be comfortable because, uh, you know, he still can get on them and be tough with them and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I think he has a great relationship with these kids and they like playing for him. They really do. How's he compare for the, uh, the pregame or the uh, coaches show interviews for you compared to, and I don't want to go all the way back to, to obviously Bob Knight, but how does it compare talking with him compared to some of the other coaches that have been there under your watch and guidance and voice? Yeah, well, the truth of the matter is uh, every one of these guys that I've worked with uh, on the basketball side of things has always been terrific in that sense. I mean, Tom, Bob Knight was the toughest without question. Everybody knows that. Uh, and yet, you know, he had a he had a healthy respect for us, just like we did for him. Uh, but the rest of these coaches that I've dealt with in basketball have all been terrific to work with. Every single one of them all have done really good jobs on the, on the programs that we put together for them with talk shows and, and with the pre games and the post games, uh, everybody's been cooperative and everybody has done a really nice job. And I can't, I can't complain, man. I've been a very fortunate man. No, no. Hey, listen, nobody's going to want to hear you complain. You're like the dude. You're the dude. We all strive to be just look at you. Is there a mirror in here? Just look at yourself in the mirror. We all want to be you. Trust me, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, oh, my God. Come on, man. No, that's yeah. me. I look at myself in the mirror and go, that. I really go out in public looking like this is what I say every time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I really go out in public looking like this. All right, well, here's hoping that you guys get off the ground here relatively soon. Now, will this well, show be over before you get off the ground, do you think? Or do you have any idea at this point? I, I truly don't know. I thought I'd see uh, a couple of other people here right now, but I'm still the only one that's here. So maybe I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> they wouldn't leave you behind, would they? Come on now. <laughs> Trust me, I've been left behind before. So, it's, yeah, it would not be unheard of. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, one more final thing. I cannot wait. Purdue and IU is going to be absolute next level fun this season. You know what I mean? Cannot wait. Oh, I do. I do. There's no question. Uh, and I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I absolutely love it when Purdue is great and that Indiana is great because that makes them the best. That's the one. The games are absolutely the best. No doubt. All right. Well, go make sure you haven't been left behind here. Okay? I'll let you go. <laughs> Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> hey, guy, we'll be listening tomorrow, Don. Thank you. All right, bud. See you.
Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pile. And again, 3 o'clock, your coverage begins. That's downstairs, 93 WIBC with the pregame show. John Herrick, Eric Sur, and, of course, Don Fisher right there, provided that they did not leave Don Fisher behind. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 90 Slow Jammery Entry. Mike, let me go ahead and uh, catch you up on this song right here. Get with it. Girl, that this is what a guy does Take off your shoes and relax your feet. Party all down to the escape beat for kicking. Just kicking. Just kicking. Kick off your this... shoes and relax your feet. <laughs> this song's got some lyrics right here, buddy, from 1993. From the album Hummin' Coming At Ya which I always laughed when I had to say it on the radio back then. Humming coming at you. <laughs> 1993's Escape and uh, Just Kicking It. I think my favorite lyric, line in a lyric, a part of this is, and every man wants a woman that ain't good for just lying on her back. I sound really stiff when I said that, too, by the way. <laughs> you sound just as exciting as a woman laying hey. just on her back. That ain't good for just lying on her back. So that's kind of how I sounded right there. <laughs> but no, nah, there was one. I thought that that 93 Escape song would be in your wheelhouse, buddy. Oh, man. Uh, just kicking it, understanding. That was, um, that. I, I was a sophomore in high school when that CD, when that CD, not, not, not even saying on Apple Music or on the, iP- on the iPod. It, this was straight CD style. You didn't want it to scratch back in the 90s, man. Good stuff right there. Escape. And that's just, seems like we're missing that today. Maybe we're just old and salty, but it seems like we're missing the, the girl group kind of stuff. Like the, like the soul R&B, not the Spice Girls, but the soul R&B, the female groups like that. Like Escape, like uh, SWV. Aren't we? Jade, We're kind of missing that. Jade, Brownstone, man. I oh. mean, all that. I mean, hey, listen, that was real music, man. And again, yeah. we sound like we sound like the the uh, old guys from the South Side and from the West Side uh, when we talk about um, the music of what today is. Today, today, not, they're not even singing. There's, it, there's no such. It, it, what happened to the baby mu- baby making music, man? That's what the '90s was, male and female. Yeah, so is, is like Cardi B, is that stuff baby, is Lizzo baby making music? Somebody's going to have no, to clue man. me in. I don't know. Could you ask Layla? Would Layla know? Well, no, don't ask Layla. Forget no, that. No, wait, no. A, wait a long time to ask Layla about that. Sorry about yeah, it. Because, yeah, because if Layla has an answer over that, Layla's got a lot of questions to be answering. <laughs> She's going to answer questions from me, and then I'm going to send her down to Laney's dad's house and let, let him ask questions. Let me not get ahead of myself here a little bit. Let's calm down. We'll ask her that much, much later. It's Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, um, we'll get to college basketball, and we'll get to some NBA and the Pacers with you in a, a minute. Has this been the, the most chaotic, and you've seen some chaotic seasons, off-seasons in the past in covering the Colts. Has there been anything that you covered that is – you know, outside of Andrew Luck stepping away when he did and, and quitting like that, has anything been worse than the debacle this season has been? No. Listen, in my, in my time, I moved in January '05, two months after the brawl, to uh, cover the Pacers at, at the uh, at, at the Star. And since then, I've had some crazy had some crazy things. And I, I think the Andrew Luck retirement that separates itself from everything. You, there's no comparison to Andrew Luck retiring, but what this season has been for the Colts, it's like I compare it, even though it's not the same because we're talking about guns and shooting and stuff, but when I was dealing with Steven Jackson and, and, and the crew uh, and fingers getting shot at and stuff, hanging out <laughs> outside the strip club, that's what that's how bad this season has been. And the re- anybody who knows me, uh, listen to me on the radio, follow my work, knows that I enjoy trash talking and cracking jokes all the time. But this season's been so bad that 
I've thrown Stephen Holder, Zach Kiefer, Mike Mike Chapel, Joe Erickson, and those boys a bone. I have I, I have felt bad for them for what they've had to do to do because this has been a gigantic, gigantic joke of a season for the Indianapolis Colts. You think about it. When, when Matt Ryan got acquired back in March, they're like, okay, they got rid of Carson Wentz. Now they got a true pro, a true leader at quarterback, and Matt Ryan's got some left in the tank. They're in position to, you know, surpass the Tennessee Titans and AFC South because they got that old, they got that old line. They think they can handle left tackle. Um, wide receivers are going to slowly come along. Jonathan Taylor, the NFL leading rusher, is back. They got what it takes to surpass the Titans. Now I sit back and think that this was disgusting because I was still at ESPN at the time, and it's laughable because that's how far the Colts have fallen. They are they should be this organization should be embarrassed on how the season is gone. Yeah, and you know, people say I'm an advocate of blowing it. Oh, you want to blow it up, and you talk about you don't want stuff blown up, but you want to blow this up. I think it's been blown up for the most part. I, I do, because you're still in search of these essential positions. You have no idea who the coach is going to be. Uh, we're skeptical, certainly, at best, about whether or not Chris Ballard either will still be here or will want to be here. So, essentially, the dynamite has been lit on this already during the season. It's not taking me to talk about this being blown up, but it seems like they've done it themselves. Oh, they, oh yeah, they, they they put themselves in position. And you, you, you make a mention about how the, um, the dynamite has been lit. Think about this. The dynamite is still going to be the, – the, the, the stick is going to be still on fire for several more weeks. I mean, this, this team still has six more games. I mean, excuse me, what, uh, 11, 12, five more games to get through. Five more games, and not just five games. You thought, okay, they get through the AFC West, you know, quote-unquote the best division of football, they'll be okay. The NFC East was not supposed to be good. And they still have to play three of the four teams in the NFC East. They still have to get – they got to go on – they're on prime to play prime time against the Cowboys this weekend. Still got to go to New York and face the Giants. They still – so nothing's going to be easy for this Colts franchise. The reality is, what do you think they win? I say they win six games max this season. I'm Maybe trying to think – the, the, the only one I think that's reasonable to believe – that they're going to win right now is the Texans. That's yeah, it. I, I, I'm trying to throw them a bone. They, they might pull an upset. But, yeah, the Texans is the only one. You can say, all right, they'll win this game. Against, they'll win the final game of the season against the Houston Texans. But five wins for a team that had all this aspiration that, you know, their starting quarterback reminded the owner of, you know, Peyton Manning from a leadership quality. And they got, they got you know, Jonathan Taylor back there. They went out and got – you know, Stephon Gilmore's been balling out there for them. They get some, got some help with the Packers department. And they're talking about winning five stinking games. They should have won five games within the first, you know, seven or eight weeks of the season. So Mike Wells, ESPN Radio and more via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. How do you think the Jeff Saturday thing, and I know we're well past that. That was Monday night. This is Friday now. But looking back, I um, think that uh, Jeff got a little bit swamped there late in the game with the timeout decision-making and such. Man, I'll tell you this. Um, not, I, I think we can all agree that it's going to be a long shot for Jeff Saturday to be the head coach. But I'm just mercy. I'm looking over at my people in the suite coming up. He went from having a 2% chance of getting a head coaching job to having a 0% chance of getting a head coaching job after that fiasco of what happened in, in the fourth quarter. And mind you, I, I that, that the first half was so bad. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I went to bed right after they scored that touchdown to open the second half, uh, just because I didn't feel like they didn't have a chance to win. But when when Saturday made those mistakes and I went ahead and saw the highlights the next morning, I'm like, there's no chance that he could be the head coach of this franchise. And I felt like, you know, they should they you know Ursay should go out and try to get a guy who has coached in the NFL in some aspect. It doesn't matter if it's a coordinator in there, but you couldn't go with Saturday no matter. What happened the second half of the season? All right. I'm going to say this just to kind of be a crank to some Michigan fans. They're here at the Slippery Noodle right now. But with this team, if you were Jim Ursay, would you be putting the full court press on Jim Harbaugh? 
Man, why you go, why are you going to mess with me about that one, man? Ooh, I just I want to do that because I got Michigan fans in here. I'm just trying to be a a crank. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. You might you might as well. I mean, think about it. Several years ago, Harbaugh couldn't beat Ohio State, and now he's won two straight against them. Man, got Michigan to the college playoffs last year. They're on their way to going back again. Why not make why not make a run? Listen, in my mercy, I'm turning over every possible rock because. His franchise, his franchise is basically you've lived here your entire life. The state you've been here since they got here in 1984. This franchise is on basically a rock bottom. It's basically a rock bottom, and the, the fact that he even thought that they were going to be in a position to win multiple Lombardies this decade, he, he should have. I mean, how about they try to win multiple division titles this decade before thinking about winning, actually winning a division title first before thinking about doing anything else because they they were in such a tough position and they went out and spent those money on the offensive linemen, gave those guys their second contracts, which they deserved at the time. But now you think about how bad Ryan Kelly has played, how bad, how much Brayden Smith has struggled, how much Quentin Nelson does not look like that guy who's out there pancaking guys anymore and stuff. It is ugly on West 56th Street. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you on that regarding Harbaugh. Like I, if you're Jim Harbaugh, probably you want to stay at your alma mater, especially when you feel you got it going right now. I don't know the dude, and I don't know the situation. I mean, maybe he still has a bit of a pull to try and to uh, to get back to the level on which he reached, and then you know ultimately take it home, unlike he did when he got to the Super Bowl with the the Forty ers But uh, at at the same time, I agree with you on that, and. I'm not quite sure regarding Jeff Saturday. I know that there's more of a he'll probably be the coach, and you know, if nothing else, if he doesn't coach, he'll go back to ESPN or be done with it. But I still think there's a really good chance that at some some level he's going to be a part of this organization, even if it's not as head coach. Really? Well, wait, so let me ask you. Let me ask you. And I know yeah. you probably talked about it on the air, but what what makes you think that he'll slide into some type of you know uh, some type uh, of different area? Because I, I think Jim Irsay believes in him, which, you know, is why we've seen what we've seen at this point and the trust that he's, he's put in him and the defense he's put up for him. I think that he wants him around in some ca- capacity. I, I, here's the, the start right here is that, that Jim Irsay wants Jeff Saturday to justify his decision and still be that head coach moving forward. That's the ultimate. But I, I do think that he wants him around and – to me, I would wonder as we move forward here, depending upon how the rest of the season goes, if it's going to be more about Jim Irsay wanting him around or not wanting him around compared to Jeff not wanting to be the coach. That's what I would really like to know. And I know it's just been three games, so there's probably no you know, established opinion, even from Jeff Saturday, on what he's going to do at the end of the season. But it does make you wonder a little bit because he mentioned that when he got the gig, he said, you know, I don't even know at the end of the season if I'm still going to want to do this. I think that holds true. Uh, yeah, I, I do I do think the latter part of what you just said about you know, Saturday saying he's not sure he wants to do it. Little shoot. If I'm just Saturday and I'm walking off the field Monday night, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe, maybe this beep is not for me. Maybe this sealed the deal and said, okay, I, I should not be in a position to be a head coach. So here's – I, I think I do have to say, I know I asked you why do you think that I do believe that Saturday is going to be given an opportunity to stick around the franchise in some capacity once yeah. the season ends um, next month. If you're Chris Ballard and Saturday moves into a front office role and Ursa says, I want you back, do you stay if you're Chris Ballard? Um, if you read him right three weeks ago, no. But – you know, you want the gig? I mean, maybe you start to believe in it. Maybe you're swayed. My, my problem is with Chris is that he still has that same philosophy on how he believes a championship team, an elite-level team should be built, and we have seen it fail massively. I just don't know how you move forward with him picking and choosing things. I just I don't. You know what I mean? I mean, it's almost like yeah. that – that he may feel he needs a fresh start after what has transpired during this season. Um, and, and certainly I think the Colts are going to be a point now where 
decision-making-wise, they're probably on to something needing a fresh start, too. Yeah, I mean, listen, the rea- I think the reality is there's got to be a fresh start in a lot of areas, in my opinion, in, in this organization. There's got to be – they have to look at so many different areas, you know, not only in the, uh, on the coaching staff. I think the only person you could say, okay, deserves an opportunity to be back is probably Gus Bradley. I think I think what Gus has done with this defense, the defense has given them numerous opportunities to win football games had this offense been able to do something. It had this offense been able to score more than, you know, 14, 15, 16 points a game. They would have a winning record because the defense is and – and the defense is doing this without Darius Leonard. I know Leonard, you know, has his, his, his flaws when it comes to coverage and stuff, but he still forces turnovers. They've, done, they've been able to have this kind of success – without Darius Leonard on, on the football field. So it has just been, uh, I don't know, you tell me, outside of, let's just let's take 20, 2011 doesn't count either because Peyton Manning was injured. Where does this rank in horrendous seasons for this coach organization in well, the past and, and we were, years? We were prepared for that one. Well, we knew the direction in which they were going. You know, we knew, I remember in September when I hit that Manning story like that and and he was done. We knew the direction of that team. We knew that they were going to go to luck. And all we, we didn't know was exactly what they planned on doing with Manning at that time. Uh, we knew the direction in which it was going. This is, you know, this is something where they've had no success, or at least the level of success that they have told everybody they were going to have. And I, it just this season has been a massive backpedal. I just don't know how you continue to go down that path. And, and believe me, Mike, there's some obstacles here. I talked about this with Mike Chappell yesterday. I, I would not be surprised if Matt Ryan is still here next year. Because even if you go out and you will go out and draft a quarterback, you're not going to have a quarterback that's ready. And clearly you're not going to turn this thing over to Sam Ellinger, are you? And Nick Foles isn't going to be here. So you got a guy that's still going to be under contract. I, I would not be at all surprised if Matt Ryan is not here uh, at it's certainly a quarterback level or whatever coming up next year wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Wow, man. Woo wee. Man. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the, the fan base if Matt Ryan's the quarterback next year? Yeah, I, I mean, and I think the fan base, it would be dependent upon who they end up getting in the draft and how exciting that pick might be, how believable that pick is. Uh, because if you do go into the draft, let's just say hypothetically, Mike, you go into the draft and you draft a quarterback, then you're finally you're telling the fan base, hey, we, we know now we have to move in that direction for the long-term future, and, you know, this is not a, a Jacob Eason, or this is not a Sam Ellinger, you know, this is, um, th- this is a guy that we, we truly believe is going to be shouldering the load at quarterback for this team for the long-term future. And that probably will make a great deal of Colts fans incredibly happy. But it's not like that they're going to turn things around and win all of a sudden again. That's still going to be longer term. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is going to be longer longer term still. And you know you know what's, what stinks about all this is, uh, Jay, is that the Colts have taken so much attention on your show you know, locally and, and uh, you know, on TV and everything, taking so much attention away from that team on Pennsylvania Street, that basketball team that at the beginning of the season, people were wondering how many games are they going to be able to win. And they're right now currently sitting, would be in the playoffs if the season started right now and hosting in the first round of the playoffs. That's the disappointing part of – that's one of many reasons – it's been so disappointing that you guys have had to talk about the Colts a lot on Mondays, previewing uh, the games throughout the week that the Pacers aren't getting love. The Pacers aren't getting love, and I think for the first time in got quite some years, they should have some attention because of the young pieces that Kevin Pritchard has put on that roster and letting those kids play, and they're out there winning games. You know, it's funny about that, and, and obviously I, I talk about the Pacers at great length here, but I did get an email yesterday. Actually, it's a text, and it said, hey, why do you spend so much time on the Colts, and why not the Pacers, and why not IU, and why not Purdue? Yeah. Well, I work all of them in, but at the same time, this is still the Colts in the NFL, and no matter how bad and what you're thinking, 
everybody is still going to be more interested, certainly in this moment, in that than they will in anything else. And the NFL always finds itself. Like, give me a great example. This whole Deshaun Watson thing. Only the NFL would get either as lucky or however you want to call it, I guess. I guess it's fortunate that Deshaun Watson comes back off of that suspension against his old team in Houston. I mean, a game that probably nobody would have a lick of interest in all of a sudden arguably is the most interesting game of the weekend because of that. And that, to me, mostly, if not always, only happens in the NFL. That's just what it does. It runs rough shot over everybody else. No, and, and I know. Listen, I hear from people, I've heard from people a number so, so many times over the years about how, oh, my God, oh, you know, the Colts stink or the Colts don't this. What about this? What about that? The reality, the, the NFL is king. Um, the, the NFL is king. The NFL will always drive the needle. You know, people would always ask people would ask me, did you enjoy um, covering the NFL or the NBA? I was like, listen, I'm a basketball guy. You and I, I think you and I can agree we're both basketball guys. We both yeah. love the NBA. We both love the NBA. But, I, hey, but my mama did not raise a dummy. I knew the NFL was king, and the NFL is what was going to, you know, help my paycheck out. So I had no problem uh, going to ESPN to cover the Colts, even though I was going to be covering the Colts for the star uh, prior to leaving, prior to leaving and going to ESPN. But, yeah, I, I love the NBA, but, hey, the NFL drives it. The fact that Deshaun Watson yesterday would not answer any questions except for football stuff was still yeah. leading so many uh, national programs. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just that's what the NFL that's what the NFL does as far as storylines concerned. But Mike, what you bring up, what you bring up is absolutely accurate. You got a young Pacer team, and we seems like we learned something new about them. And now I know two out of the last three had been great you know, against the Kings and against the Clippers. But you had Andrew Nimhart step up, knock down that game-winning three against the Lakers on Monday. You know, you saw that Benedict Matherin was the NBA's rookie of the month this past month, and. You know, clearly with Kevin Pritchard, you know, somebody you weren't feeling good about making picks here in recent history. Absolutely nailed these, especially Matherin. Matherin is a dude, man. Matherin is a dude. He doesn't give a you-know-what about anything but going out there and getting after your ass. And there's something to be said about that. you got to love that. I mean, 19 points a game coming off of the bench. Not, yeah. even, not even starting. And putting up 19, that, hey, hope I don't get in trouble. I apologize to the show if, uh, if you get in trouble. But, hey, Mazarin is a grown-ass man. That's what he is. Cedric's, hey, Cedric Entertainer voice, a grown-ass man, dog. That's what he is. And, yeah. and, and it's not, it's just not, it's not just him either. I mean, Halliburton's out there, you know, handling, throwing out double-digit assists while turning the ball over and everything. You're, I know people are going to cringe and get mad when I say this, but your boy Miles. He hasn't been stinking up to join. He's, he's had several good games. So it, it, there's a reason why to kind of believe and say, okay, the piece, I'm not saying the Patriots are going to be title contenders, but they have pieces there. The foundation is being set where they're not going out and trading to get, you know, an Oladipo or whatnot, a guy who, who, who was a fake and things like that. They have a foundation over on Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Street. Now, um, Carlisle has to keep coaching him up, and Kevin Pritchard has to continue the ad pieces going forward. Yep, you got to find yourself a wing, and then obviously we'll find out what happens to Buddy Hill and to Miles Turner. Probably more Miles Turner than Buddy Hill because Miles Turner has the contract that's that's ending. But yeah, you're right, and that's where people look at the Colts and you go, "All right, so you're Chris Ballard and you're seven. You still have no idea who your quarterback is." You're hoping on your left tackle is Bernard Ryman. Again, that is a lot of hope. You were absolutely unprepared for that. And, you know, once again, you're, you're skidding out of the postseason. You have, what, one win and a couple of appearances in your seven years here. And I, I, I'm sorry, you look around the NFL and everybody else would say, this is not enough. So why shouldn't we? And I just, I guess I don't get snowed by, hey, there was a nice pick here or a nice pick there. You just ultimately go by the results. And these results, Mike, aren't close to be being good enough. And then there are no signs of, hey, they're really close. This is a close. They're going to open up that window. There are no signs of that whatsoever right now. Well, first of all, if anybody says they're close, 
I'm gonna laugh at them. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna laugh because they're not even close to making the playoffs right now. So the let alone being close to being a very very good football team. So it, 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 it's comical. It, it's comical. But thank good. Hey, thank goodness that there's only a few more weeks of it, and then we can focus on completely focus on um, the Pacers and what should be a hell of an IU Purdue Purdue game in the first week of February. Um, and all people are going to worry about with the Colts is who's going to be a head coach and potentially who may be the general manager. Basketball will get its shine again. So did you see this? I'm kind of excited to to, uh, to see it. Apparently T.J. Warren is going to play tonight. Back with the Nets. First game, I want to say, since 2020. December 29th of 2020. That's over 700 days. And the former Pacer, T.J. Warren, is going to suit up and the plan is that he plays with the Brooklyn Nets tonight. So I, I don't know the dude whatsoever, but he did give some moments here. Unfortunately, not too many, but good for him. Oh, no. Hey, yeah, yeah. Good to, good to see him back. So basically, T.J. Warren and Deshaun Watson, who have been out for two different reasons, about almost <laughs> the same amount of time, are making their returns this weekend. Over 700 days, all the way back to late December 2020. This is the last wow, time T.J. Hey, Warren has played basketball. Man. How would you, how would you look? Is that how, hey? Have you played basketball since December 29, twenty twenty? Man, listen, I, I hey, I, I busted my kid's butt in the driveway. That sinks into my basketball. <laughs> no mercy, no mercy for Miss. No Layla five on five or anything. You've not played five on five since T.J. No. Warren's played five on five. No, hey, I, I'm retired. I'm too old. I don't want any, <laughs> I don't want to tear my Achilles anymore. But I do know back in December twenty twenty. The Colts were on their way to making it to the playoffs <laughs> with Phillip Rivers as the quarterback. That's how long it's been since T.J. Warren has played, yeah. my brother. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think back about that season, too, and they go to the postseason losing Buffalo. They were close, and Frank screwed that one up. Frank screwed it up. Kamoko Ture screwed it up. They had a lot of screw-ups in that game. I think Blankenship, was was he a screw-up a part of that, too? Or, no. That was, who was uh, – that uh, was that yeah, no, no, that, 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 that no, that was Blankenship. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, yeah, all the all, all this sub mediocrity kind of screws with my mind, messes up my memory a little bit. But no, um, honestly, I look back at that, and I was one saying, "Hey, this Philip Rivers thing, he, he just didn't have a strong enough arm, and he can't do this, and he can't do that." We would celebrate Philip Rivers right now under center for this team. Celebrate it. Listen, you might you might run you might run around the circle butt naked with Philip Rivers a quarterback right now. I might. I just might. Hey, give yeah. the lovely Layla my best. Are you guys out in Shelbyville Sunday? Uh no. Uh, uh Franklin Franklin Middle School. You gonna be out there on Sunday afternoon? What the hell no? What, why am I hey, who the hell's scheduling these games? Why do they screw me over? Like, I get yeah. the Colts have a Sunday night game, and whoever the clown is that schedules these damn games always schedules Laney's games two hours before the start of a Colts game, which completely wipes me out. Who's doing – who do I need to rip ass on to do that? That's ridiculous. Man, oh, that, oh, that is completely BS. Oh, man. Yeah, I see Center Grove's got Warren Central at five, yeah. and then they get to uh, play Shelbyville at six. That's some – that is – you didn't get the. You had a free Sunday, and no, the girls didn't play because of uh, Thanksgiving weekend. They yeah. play this Sunday with a night game, and they play right when you're going to be on the air, man. I mean, they don't want me to run the scoreboard. Is that it? Yeah, they try. I got to get to whoever's making this schedule. Like, I, I honestly, I thought about calling and going, "Hey, man, can you put this thing at noon so I can go watch or something?" Who do I have to yell they, at to get this they changed? They're they're punishing you. For what you have done in the past. Hey, it's almost like that horse's ass AD <laughs> is doing this. Is that who's doing it? <laughs> oh, man, man. Hey, hey, uh, hey, on that note, brother, hey, hey, real quick. We're, hey, we're you got to go. I can't put you in that situation. I realize that. So, yeah. <laughs> we're, I still, we're, hey, we're, this, this guy right here holds a grudge, man. You know that. I'm a grudge-holding <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> hey, where's my fa- hey, where's, where's my favorite four foot one Fox fifty nine CBS four guy here today? Well, here's what happens. So I send him a text at about nine a.m. knowing that there's no way he's going to be up until one p.m. But I send him a text at nine a.m. and he didn't get back with me. 
So he won't get back with me until he tells me that I'm going on 59 with them on Sunday. I'm assuming he's going to Dallas. That's my assumption. Because oh, normally, yeah, if, 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 he were, if he had plans on coming, he would get back with me. But because he didn't, what do they call it? I got ghosted. Is that what the cool kids say? Yes. He ghosted me. So he ghosted me. So that tells me that his ass isn't going to be here. He's, in, he's, in, he's already in Texas right now stopping at Bucky's and, you know, planning to eat some barbecue and, and a big thing of sweet tea. That's what Hagen's no doing right now and going to the, to the uh, strip clubs down there in Texas because he knows the strip clubs are huge down there in, de- in Texas. So that's what Hagen's no. doing. Chris Hagen, yeah. Fox 59, CBS 4. They still have that Billy Bob's bar where they ride bulls and stuff. Uh, not not Urban Cowboy one in Pasadena, Texas, Gillies, but it was a place called Billy Bob's where they actually had in this bar live bulls being ridden as a part of the experience called Billy Bob's. Well, 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 Surprisingly enough, is, that's in Texas, yeah. The reality is, and I'm going to let you go on this one, is that Hagen does not reach the height requirement to be able to ride the mechanical bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, give my girl a big hug. Tell her we miss her. All right, Jay, be good, brother. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right now. Bob Lovell brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Carx locations every Friday. Bob, how are you doing today? We got a thing that's called Radar Love, JMV. Hey, let me tell you this. This this is how freaking incredible the host of this show is. I just completely yanked that out of my ass. And indeed, Golden Earring is from the Netherlands right there. Thank you very much. Radar Love, am I stepping into this twilight zone? So yeah. all the great stuff. Hey, that Radar Love, was that your prom song, or were you in college by then? <laughs> um, actually, the, the theme of the prom in 1969, Plainfield High School, was Scarborough Fair. I let that sink in for a while. <laughs> it wasn't Vanilla Fudge and Keep Me Hanging On? No, that was in no, 1969. Hey, look, when you grow up in the when you're in high school in the 60s, high school and college is in the 60s and early 70s, you do catch a lot of great music now. You really do. Let me, let me tell you this, and I have learned. I wasn't very good on the 60s, but I'm better on the tail end of the 60s, around 69, because I have watched so much. I, wa- I try to watch it every time it's on because it seems like it's a Tarantino film and I learned something new. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It, yeah. And that has a great 1969 soundtrack right there. And I think I learn something new about music every time, every time I watch it, which is my, my whatever wife I find that song. That, uh, I, I haven't actually progressed musically past that point um, because she <laughs> said it'd be nice to listen to some music in our car that's not from the 60s or from the 70s. And I said, well, bring your own music. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that was why I tell my stuff. kids that too. You know, I, I felt good because going back to the fourth grade, uh, Laney was at uh, at Walnut Grove, and actually the uh, the principal of Walnut Grove is in the back right here now at the Slippery Noodle with us, and she was asking one of her classes who her favorite uh, music, or who her favorite singer was, and it touched my heart when she told the teacher Howard Jones because I listened to so much eighties. And the teacher goes, Howard Jones. You know, everybody else is going Harry Styles and all that stuff. And, and she right. gave up Howard Jones. It touched my heart. It did. Well, there you go. Are you working? Uh, are you doing the takeover? Or are you done with that now? You got I am done with that until New Year's yeah. Eve. They're doing nothing but yeah. Christmas music. And I go about two songs deep from Burl Ives and then and one from Run DMC, and I'm done with it. So now... <laughs> I uh, I go on Christmas music hiatus until New Year's Eve. Yikes! But then you'll come back with a huge, uh, huge opening night New Year's Eve for heaven's sakes. Hey Bob, with a vengeance, buddy. With no question. Absolute vengeance. Hey, we'll, we'll look back really quick. Come back. <laughs> yes, for sure. 
I want to look back to last week at this time and then look right. ahead to the start of the, the basketball season for the fellas, which now I think everybody's mostly going to get underway, at least not already, but by this weekend. But where did this past season, I mean, from top to bottom rank with seasons of the past football-wise for you? I thought it was a great season, to be honest. I think, you know, we, we've said this uh, a lot on your show and, and others uh, and on my own that it was a pretty balanced um, football field you know you had we said all along that uh, that in single a there was probably no one who's going to beat lutheran and it, it turned out to be that way uh knew that 6a was going to be really competitive which it was but you you, you as center grove continued to play you had to give them their due because they, they haven't lost in what seems like forever uh, 5A was wide open. I think everyone understood that. I, I thought Snyder would make their way to the finals. They didn't do it. Whiteland, except for a great play by Valpo, uh, doesn't win a championship. 4A was dominated by Ron Colley and East Central for the entire year. Uh, I thought 3A was, was a, a, another wide open class. Um, so you know, it, if you look at the championship games, you had some blowouts, so to speak, that don't necessarily happen all the time. But I think what happens is that you get uh, when you get on that stage, you get out there on the turf. It's a different animal, and if you you game planned and game planned incorrectly, and things don't go well for you in those first couple of possessions and things, you saw teams get on the board early and dominate. And uh, all in all, crowds were good. I just thought it was another banner year for high school football in our state. To Bob Level, Indiana Sports Talk. That's tonight, tomorrow night. Bob, also brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations, carx.com, for that location nearest you today. All right, expectations. There is, and there always is, don't get me wrong, but you talk about some individual talent from south to north. This state seems to be loaded up this season, really, and with a lot of younger kids as talented as we've seen it. And I know this happens every year. Maybe I'm just excited because this is the beginning of the year. But it seems like that, once again, Indiana's coming correct, really from freshmen to seniors, with an incredibly high level of basketball talent. Oh, I agree with you, John. I think we're on a cycle and have been on for, for a while where, uh, you know, it's just a situation where uh, AAU, uh, great uh, players get more opportunities and uh, we are, I think, loaded in, in the uh, younger classes, but we do have quite a few upperclassmen who are, are pretty, pretty solid. And so it, it makes for what we think is going to be another great season. Use a lot of the same verbiage that we used in football. There are a lot of really good teams in, in all the classes, uh, and, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to win in our state because you know coaches are good. We have great players who train all year, play all year. Uh, extremely talented. Uh, this is a fertile area for big-time recruiters. And so it's just going to be another great winter, John. You know that. You know how this is. It's going to be another one of those years. Yeah. Um, difficulty for some of these football teams that play deep into the football season, just kind of start with some of these kids. I know it doesn't happen, and that's unfortunate as often as it used to with uh, kids playing both football and basketball, but it does happen. It hasn't completely gone away. Nope. What, what's the timetable for a high school coach to expect a football guy that's had a long season play deep into the postseason to get back and to be a major portion of that team? How long does it normally take? Yeah, I think it depends on the kid. I think it depends on the coach uh, and, and the system. Um, but I, I just think that I think everybody understands, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe uh, that third or fourth week, you're starting to feel your way along and feel better. Uh, hopefully, you came out of football without an injury, or you're, you're banged up, but hopefully, you've healed. And it takes a little while, number one, to shake that off. And I think just the normal uh, understanding of assimilating into a group of guys who've been at it a little bit longer than you have takes a little bit of time. So I think third or fourth week, you're ready to go. And by the time you finish a month. Uh, you're all pretty uh, settled in and understand what you have to do and go play some basketball. That's why it's good. This time of year is fun because you're playing. But I think we all understand once you get into January, January is when you 
number one, it really be, it's a long grind, as we all know. When you get into January, you've been doing it for a while, and if you can mentally keep yourself in it, January, February, you start to make the push. So, uh, you know, it's, it'll take a, it'll take a few days, no question. But uh, these guys are better than we were way back in the day, and I think sometimes we make more out of how much time it takes them to get uh, ready to play than what it really is. And if you ask the kids, they tell you they're ready to go tomorrow. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So Purdue, obviously, a massive underdog in the Big Ten title game coming up tomorrow evening here at Lucas Oil Stadium versus Michigan. We saw what Michigan did, certainly in Columbus last week, and the Boilermakers get in. I'm curious, you know, obviously in the past with what you've done as, as a coach and folks that you know, when you are that massively an underdog, do you truly take on the nothing to lose whatsoever mentality? And maybe it just depends on the team, but how, how beneficial can, can that be? Well, I think we all understand you're playing with house money, as we like to say. Um, but, but, you know, as coaches, we're creatures of habit. You don't prepare any differently for this game. I mean, this is the, the line, but you don't prepare any differently than what you do for every other game. And you really don't. You, you know, you still have things that you're, you're doing on a daily and weekly basis. You want to win a game. Your kids want to win a championship. And so you can't, can't go into a game thinking, well, we don't have much of a chance. They're really good. Hey, look, they play with great emotion. Michigan played with tremendous emotion against their big rival. I think everyone understands that. You, you know that. Secondly, there's not going to be that same level of emotion with Michigan here because, you know, it's not Ohio State, even though it is for a championship. Both these teams know they're going to a bowl somewhere. And so, you know, if you're, if you're, excuse me, if you're Michigan, you're playing for the chance to win a national championship, and that's great motivation. But, you know, Purdue's, number one, Purdue's got to stay in the ball game early, you know, and got to play – and not turn it up. This is a game you can't turn it over. You can't give Michigan more opportunities. And I think the biggest thing you have to do is, you know, your quarterback's got to be efficient. You have to score in the red zone when you get the opportunity. And for God's sakes, don't turn the ball over and give them short field opportunities. So Bob Lovell with us. All right, our impressions with the college basketball season so far locally as of Wednesday night is pretty good. Are you – Purdue, Butler, all winners. We'll get to those in just a second. But I had Josh Church yesterday, the second-year head coach of Indiana State, and had a chance to watch them on Wednesday night as well, beat Drake at home at the Holman Center. They, um, they look good. They, they look good. And he's, he's put together something right here, utilizing the transfer portal and, and certainly the, the transfer rule. And I know that that's difficult, and certainly it's going to be difficult to sustain but it looks like, at least in that Drake game, he's, he's got something going on over there in year two in Terre Haute. He had great success at the Division II level, and it's great to see because you know, it just proves my point that I've said for a long, long time. There are tremendous coaches at all levels of basketball, and just because you're a Division II coach doesn't mean you can't win in Division in, in Division One if you're in the right spot. He's got a great system, John. Offensively, they, they are hard to match up with. They space the court well. He has guys who can put it on the floor and make great decisions. They're a team that likes to get in offense early. Defensively, uh, they're pretty good, getting better. They D up on you. Uh, and it, it's a situation where it took a year for them to learn what he wanted, how he wanted to play. They're really set right now. His recruiting went well, will continue to go well. Uh, the Holman Center, as you know, it's been redone. It looks great. It's a great place to play. They're going to cause quite a few problems for people in the Valley. I don't think there's any question they can stay injury-free and continue to play the way they're playing. It's going to be a lot of fun over there. What, um, to you, because you coached at the college level prior, what is going to be, you think, the, I guess, the more high-wire act for both Matt Painter and Mike Woodson this season? continuously and consistently playing at the level in which we have seen so far or keeping all these guys that they play rotationally and they count on happy in this era of college basketball. That's a great point. Um, it's a, it is a balancing act. It's a high wire act. I'm not sure there's a, a simple answer for it. I think in large part, it depends upon the guys you recruit who are all saying and doing the right things right now. 
and, and I think the other part of it, the the, the always unknown is you got to stay healthy. You really, really have to stay healthy. And then the other big part, John, you've got they've won right now. So if you're IU and you're having the week you're going to have, you got through with beating uh, North Carolina. I got that. But what are you going to do if you lose a couple in a row? How are you going to handle all of that? It's easy to handle success. And the same thing with with match guys. What's going to happen when you go – because you're going to go through it. You're going to go through a week or two-week period where you can't make a basket with pencil and paper, for heaven's sakes. And so I think I always worried most about uh, fragile egos, somebody not getting as, as many touches as he thought he needed to get, didn't get as many minutes as he needed to get, and when you, uh, if you're sitting on the bench and you put Billy in before me, why'd you put him in before me? You know those kinds of things. And so if you have a, uh, a a strong base of guys, a strong mental uh, approach to things as a group and as individuals, I think they'll both win a lot of basketball games. I think they're really, really good. And when they meet each other regular season, oh my goodness, what great games! I know that I'm going to be leaving out, there's no doubt, some teams here. And obviously you look at Houston and Kelvin Sampson's team, really good out of the gate will remain strong this season. You know that Carolina and Duke are probably going to get better. I don't know about Gonzaga uh, with that guard play that they have, considering what they have had in the past, how much better they're going to get. Texas, if you watched Texas and Creighton last night, two really good teams. Texas and Chris Beard out of the gate, incredibly strong early. But I, I would like somebody to find us a better matchup a couple of different times this season than what we're going to get in February with IU and Purdue a couple of times. Seriously, well, you know, as far as these two teams stacking the, up, the, with the everything that you're looking for, yeah. they have everything. Oh, there's no question. If you listen to the national media, uh, you know, the world uh, – the, the sun rises and falls on the ACC, and so whatever they say. But, but no, I think you're right. I think if you're talking about just in terms of sheer basketball, both teams – the cool thing about it is both of these teams defend you. Purdue has gotten markedly better defensively, which was one of their problems a year ago. Secondly, they, these are two teams that play awfully, awfully hard on every possession at both ends of the floor. You have unselfish teams. They're extremely well coached. I love what both coaches do. They're, they're in many ways mirror images of one another. If you win the IU-Purdue matchup, you will have earned that victory because – these are two really, really good basketball teams that I think make deep runs into the tournament. It's Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk. has got you covered tonight and tomorrow night with all you need to know, especially on that high school basketball level, which everybody now that went deep in the football season is uh, going to be officially underway at some point this weekend. He's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline and presented every Friday by our 14 Central Indiana CarX locations run by Joe Childers. That's CarX.com today. Bob, appreciate it as always. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll do it again next Friday. Thanks, John. Have a great weekend, and thanks for having me. Bob Lovell, everybody right there.